I would say write down, write out what boundaries you want to have in place. Regardless of how realistic you think they are, write down the boundaries that you want to have in place in all different aspects of your life. And that may take you some time to figure out those boundaries, right? And then think through what is the best way to implement this boundary? For example, we'll just take the whole leaving at five o'clock from your corporate job. Is that a boundary that I want? Yes, that is a boundary that I have determined I want for my life. Okay, so how can I uphold that boundary? I decline every meeting after five o'clock or I'll like propose a new time for it, but I will not take any meetings after five o'clock. So that is one way that I have a physical barrier on my calendar that my workday ends at 5 p.m. And so that it makes it a lot easier for me to say, okay, five o'clock, I don't have any more meetings. It's much easier for me to clock out. So that's kind of like one tangible way of how can you create those physical boundaries right? To uphold the boundaries that you want in life. I would say another aspect of that is to communicate your boundaries with the people that you love. You know, I'll tell my husband, Hey, this week, I really want to focus on spending time with, with Harper, our daughter. Maybe she's having a rough week at school. Maybe she just seems a little more emotional. So I'll say, Hey, I really want to spend more time with her. He knows that if he comes home and I'm on my phone and she's like watching TV, he'll be like, Hey, remember you said that you really wanted to spend time with Harper. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. Thank you. And I'll put my phone down and I'll go spend time with her. You can't do it all yourself, right? You have to communicate those boundaries with people because if you don't communicate them, you can't expect anybody else to know what's inside your head. And the more you say it, the more true it becomes. Mom life, it's worth celebrating. It's filled with opportunities to learn and grow. And we all know there will be little bumps along the way. But why not have fun and enjoy the little moments as they come? I am passionate about finding ways to make the mundane feel more exciting and spontaneous. It's time we put a little more joy and happiness into our roles as wives, moms, and homemakers. I'm excited for us to learn together how to add more meaning and purpose into our lives through the big five, physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual avenues. In a way you could say, let's high five motherhood. This is your host, Kim Montgomery, and you are listening to high five motherhood. Interesting. And PSA, your business for all the entrepreneur moms out there, your business is not your hobby. Yes. I <laughs> let's, let's just I say that, that for a long time. Your business <laughs> is not your hobby. It is not. So find a true hobby that you are absolutely crazy about. Make the commitment to make the time and just watch how it transforms your life. I love that. I think that's one thing that all of us moms can do. I mean, it's not like we don't have hobbies, right? But a lot of times we get so wrapped up in being the mom and the homemaker and the wife and all the different things that we have on our plate that we forget about us, right? We forget about what our passions or our hobbies are. And so when someone says, so what do you do for fun? What's your hobby? And you're like, I don't even know. Like, do I even have a hobby still? You know, we have to go back and discover a little bit about ourselves. And I think that's a great thing that you said to go back to when you were your happiest, what were the things that you were doing? And that was for you was horse, horse riding, right? So finding that barn, like what is the barn in our lives that we're looking for to be like, okay, I'm going to have something that's actually going to help me to feel alive again. And not just, I'm here for everyone else, but what about you? You're still a person, right? You still got to take care of you. That's huge. I love that. Um, And I think just one more point on that too, um, because I can already hear listeners saying, well, my hobbies need to be put on the back burner right now because I'm a mom. 
right? Nope, I don't believe that. <laughs> and so here is precisely how I want you to think about that. If you have a daughter, and even if you have a son, do you want them to think that they can't have hobbies when they're your age? Yes. How would you feel if your child came to you and said, I just can't fathom doing this thing that I love because I just don't have time. How would that would break your heart as a mom, yes. right? Like that would absolutely break your heart. So by you having a hobby right now, even though you're busy, even though you're in the rows of motherhood, you showing your kids that it is okay to have a hobby. It is okay to choose your well-being at certain moments is going to show them that it's okay for them to do that when they're older too. Yes. And it's, it's breaking that generational cycle of self-sacrifice that you really don't have to do as a mom. You don't have to be that way. And so, you know, Harper, my, my five-year-old, when she started to see how happy I was at the barn, she was like, well, I have my birthday party there. And so we just <laughs> had her fifth birthday party there. Aww. I have never seen that girl happier ever. That's amazing. And now she's starting lessons in January. And it's like, it's just one of those things that you show them how to create happiness and how to create hobbies and how to find what does bring them that joy. And then all of a sudden they start doing it too. And they follow in your footsteps. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's more than just our words. We have to actually take action. We can't just say, yes, you need to have a hobby and you need to go just do this extracurricular and this and that. And then right. mommy doesn't do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's gotta be everything. Exactly. I love that. Um, yeah. okay. We, we talked a little bit about this, but I kind of want to go into a little more detail about the, the three different tips that we had to start the new year off. Right. You talked about making their to-do list visible and mm -hmm. structure creates flexibility, which we went over a little bit and then work with their specific reality, which we also went over a little bit. So with making their to-do list visible, besides just writing it down, what are some other techniques we can do to get our mental invisible to-do list out of our head and out so we can actually manage it and do something with it. Take action. Yeah. So similar to what I shared about the holidays, put dedicate a date and a time for that task. So even if you do initially have to like write out your to-do list, because maybe you're just sitting at your desk or your phone's dead or because my phone died a little bit ago. So maybe you're just in a position where you can't access your calendar and you need to write out your to-do list. That's fine. But then take that and assign a date and a time to it. Because even if you can't get it done at that precise moment, you have the flexibility to move it, right? So yes. let's say you schedule something for like Thursday at two, you need to go grocery shopping because that is a, a, a heavy mental burden. Maybe Thursday rolls around and you're like, okay, I can't go today at two, but I can go tomorrow, Friday at six. Move that task to six o'clock so that you see that that is blocked off on your calendar. And then you also can set reminders to remind yourself maybe three hours in advance, an hour in advance, and then 15 minutes in advance so that you know like when your brain needs to switch gears and say, okay, this is the time that I have dedicated to grocery shopping. Same thing with like, if you know you need to make dentist appointments for your kids, put that task in there every January and every July because you need to have them twice a year, make them recurring, get it out of your head. You never have to think about it again because it shows up on your calendar. Even if you have to move it, it's still showing up 
And there is something else that's managing that load for you instead of your own brain. Yes. And I, I think we need to have that. There's something amazing about this AI in your pocket, you know, like it's mm-hmm. so amazing to have these little reminders and things. One thing that I have had, I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's, I love it and I hate it at the same time. So one thing with digital calendars that I've found is I love putting things in there. Cause it reminds me it's on there. I can do my weekly plan session. I can kind of see it, you know, at a glance, but then for all the reminders, I don't know if you find yourself doing this, but a lot of times I'll just swipe and I'll just be like, Oh, I just, I don't want to deal with reminders right now. Just swipe it off. So how do you mm-hmm. keep being able to have these reminders, things that you need, but also have it not be so cluttered that there's so many reminders that you just push everything to the side. Where's that balance for you? Yeah. So I will snooze reminders all the time until I can mentally handle it or like get to it. So for example, like if I'm in a meeting and I have a reminder go off, I have the option on my phone to snooze it. So I'll snooze it by like 35 minutes or something or however much longer my meeting is. And that way I'll get another prompt for that same task whenever my meeting is over. And then I can mentally switch gears and go in and say, can I do this right now? Or do I need to move this? Um, Another thing that I do is I have that built into um, my planning session. I have a weekly planning session where let's say I do accidentally swipe it. And then I, my brain just lets it go, which has happened plenty of times where I will swipe (laughs) that like ignore button. And then it is. It is lost in the universe. There is no, my brain is like, we thought about that three months ago. So we're not going to think about it anymore. And it goes away. I have a prompt in my planning sessions to go back through my week and review everything on my calendar and say, did this get done? Did it not get done? And if it didn't get done, I need to move it to the following week. I love that. So those are a couple of like tactical ways that I help manage that. Um, But, you know, I will say that if you are to a point where you have too many reminders going off at the same time, you might need to evaluate if you're overbooked, right? Which we're all guilty of. We all do that sometimes. So I think that could be a good notification for your brain for you to say, hey, why don't I look at my capacity here? I might be overbooking myself and yes. having too many phone reminders could be a good signal that you might be overbooked. And I think that's true. And I think it's also important to be careful what we put into our calendars. Cause a lot of times, you know, we want to put in all these different things, but really did all those things actually need to happen? Or was there only like three that really needed to happen? The other ones we actually could have delegated or deleted from our schedule. So I, I agree yeah. with you. I think narrowing it down can help a ton. Um, let's see, when we talked about their specific reality, um, how would you help moms to start the new year off right with their specific reality, but being able to plug in their goals through, throughout the year within their schedule? How do you, how do you actually achieve the goals and dreams that you want to achieve, but doing it on a weekly basis where we're not just saying, okay, by the end of the year, I want to lose 30 pounds or whatever the goal is, right? How can we actually say, okay, I'm going to plug that into my calendar. I'm going to make this happen. What is your strategy of achieving those goals and dreams that you have? Yeah. So, um, I teach, uh, one big aspect of time management Academy is that exact thing. It's project planning and goal planning. And how do you fit those goals into your life, your everyday life, your everyday time. And so I teach the method around reverse engineering and, um, the 
this is a really good example of what I said at the very beginning about time management being rooted in, in the male world. Um, reverse engineering originally started in Rome with chariots where men were saying, how can we, we need to, to build chariots. How can we do that? And they basically took one apart so that they could recreate it. And so that evolved over, you know, centuries to where reverse engineering is, is a method of taking this like big, scary thing and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces so that those individual bite-sized pieces are not so scary. Because the way that your brain works is your brain wants to keep you safe. It wants you to feel good all the time. It doesn't want you to feel bad. It doesn't want you to feel stressed. So it's going to tell you to avoid things that stress you out, that overwhelm you. And so when you have this big project, that big thing is very scary to your brain. So if you just say, brain, we're going to lose 30 pounds by May, your brain is going to be like, uh, nope, no, not. <laughs> you might gain because it because we're going to eat chocolate instead. That's easier. <laughs> this is scary. We don't know how to do this. You can't do this. I need to keep you safe. So I'm going to tell you that you can't do this. And instead, if you say, okay, listen, brain, the ultimate goal is to lose 30 pounds by May. But what we're actually going to lose to do is lose X, whatever that is per week. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to do that by working out three times a week. We're going to do that by meal planning and meal prepping on Sundays. We're going, you know, whatever those reverse engineered small bite-sized steps are to accomplish that larger goal, that's what you plug into your calendar. So I don't look at my calendar and put over the entire month of July to school workshop. I, I don't do that. I might do it on like the couple, you know, since that was my, my, um, thing that I used as an example earlier, I might put like the three days that we're doing the workshop on my calendar, but I'm not going to, I don't have this like massive whiteboard anywhere that says July back to school workshop, because your brain's going to see that. And it's going to say, Nope, we're scared. We're not going to well, do that too much. <laughs> We're going to do everything else. We're going to buffer and we're going to do everything else except look at this big, scary goal. So if you take that goal and you break it down and you plug those small bite-sized pieces into your calendar, then your brain is like, oh, I just have to work out on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Okay, great. 30 minute workout three days a week. I can handle that. Meal prepping on Sunday for an hour and a half. Great. I can handle that. And so, you know, another analogy I'll use that I heard um, from a, a business mentor of mine that I just think really sticks in, in this particular scenario is um, it's a sports analogy. So hopefully some of the uh, moms out there like sports, but pay attention to, hold on, wait, now I'm going to mess it up. That's okay. Take a minute. <laughs> hold on. Now I like had it and then it just <laughs> right out of my brain. Oh, Pay attention to the game, not the scoreboard. So if you're in the game and you are playing the game, don't worry about the scoreboard. Don't worry about if you have eight points, 10 points, 12 points, if you block, you know, whatever. Don't worry about the score. Worry about what you are doing every single day to play the game. Gotcha. Right. So, you know, I think um, some of the great basketball players, even I think that's where they got this from was like Kobe Bryant and and that whole, you know, side of basketball was don't pay attention to the score, pay attention to the game, because as soon as you take your eye off the ball and you're looking up at the scoreboard, 
something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Right? You're not in the game. You're right. You're not in the game. So pay attention to the game, not the score. I love that. I think that is a big, a big indicator of how, kind of if we can see our success happening or not, if we know we're in the game, like, are you in it? Are you present? You know, are you with your kid, but on your laptop or are you mm-hmm. on your laptop, but also trying to, you know, make dinner? Like, are we focused on what it is that we need right in the moment? Are we fully present all in with work, all in with home, all in with kids, whatever it is that we have. I think that's one thing all of us fall short of at one moment in time, right? We, we all have yeah. those moments. Yeah. But if we can focus on trying to be present in the moment, which is one thing I really want to be better at, especially with my kids, I want to be all in. I don't want to be there with them and talking with them and playing with them. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, I got to get this done at work. I got to get this done. I got to, you know, like I want to be yeah. all in. And I think that right. is a great, great strategy to just say, be in the game. Don't look at the scoreboard, yep. be in the game. I love that. Be in the game. When it comes to time management, what are you passionate about? Passionate about and what are the, the main things that you want to teach moms? What is that one thing that you're like, okay, if I could give you one step to take today, what is it? Yeah. So it's really around a mindset because I feel like as women, we are told our entire lives that you can't have a thriving career and be a good mom. And, you know, nobody necessarily comes out and says that. But I feel like there's just this societal pressure on women that if you want to be a high powered career woman or a high powered business owner, then you better be prepared to not be a present mom. And I really feel like my mission on earth, like God gave me a mission to show women that you don't have to live like that and that it is possible and not only possible, but very realistic for you to manage both and to manage them really well and to not have to feel like you're a failure in either one of those. And I I just think that there needs to be a shift for women in the way that women are viewed and the way that moms are viewed that, and I think it's happening. It's a little slow, but I think that we're having some shifts, just that you can have both. You can, and it's so possible for you to have both. Um, yeah, I would just say that that that's probably my biggest passion, regardless of the methodologies that I teach, regardless of, you know, where you're at, what stage you're at in life or anything like that. That is just what makes me so passionate is this vision 20 years from now of women being able to be amazing leaders in business and in corporate America or whatever profession they choose and being an amazing mom and not feeling like you have to sacrifice one for the other. Which is huge. And I think we all would like to attain that, but some people don't know how to find that balance. And I find for me, what I've learned is it's important to have boundaries, right? It's important to say, this is my work time. This is my home time or family time or whatever. So for you, what helps you to create the boundaries and, and what are the boundaries that you've created to make that happen? Yeah. So I, oh, lots of things, <laughs> a lot of questions, a <laughs> lot of things. Um, number one, I have, I'm so lucky and blessed in that I have a very supportive spouse. Um, you know, if I say, Hey, I need to go up 
to Starbucks for three hours this Sunday because I've got a bunch of like time management academy stuff I need to do. He's like, go, no problem. That's See you awesome. in three hours. Um, he is just so supportive. I will say though that it he also is very supportive in helping to manage the mental load of things, but it's taken a lot of open communication to yes. get there. And so that could be a whole other conversation, right? Agreed. <laughs> um, I would also say with boundaries, when I'm working my corporate job, I'm working my corporate job. Like I am not, I don't try to work my business on the side during my corporate job. I think a lot of people might try to do that. I don't do that. I am, I'm, my brain is in corporate America during that time. Now, as soon as the clock hits five or five 15, I immediately switch gears. I, I don't work past when I'm supposed to, unless there are exceptions, right? If we're in a big uh, like work project or sprint, or if I'm traveling or there's always exceptions, right? But on the every normal day, I have very strict boundaries of when I start work and when I stop work for my corporate job. And I, those are not flexible unless it is a very distinct situation. And then I would also say that I, I brutally outsource things. Yes, too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, I really look at, is this worth my, is is the money I save by doing it myself worth the amount of stress or the amount of income I could lose? Like say, if I have to decide between spending two and a half hours at the grocery store or 10 minutes ordering groceries online, and maybe it's like $25 more expensive, and then I can go work on business things for two hours. I weigh that every single time for everything. I weigh that of, you know, time is worth a certain amount of money, but also my mental stability and my mental well-being is also worth a certain amount of money to me. Yes. Also worked my butt off in my career to get to that point. And it hasn't always been that way. Right. So there have been previous times where like my husband has been laid off and we have to get rid of everything like all, all of the, the, you know, outsourcing that I did, I had to stop it overnight one time yeah. when he was laid off. And so then it becomes a different kind of discussion, right. Of maybe you're not paying for outsourcing, but maybe there's a different form of outsourcing. So maybe the outsourcing is actually outsourcing it to your spouse who now is laid off. Or if you're not in that situation, you know, another thing that I outsource right now is sometimes my mom helps pick up my daughter from school so that I can get another 45 minutes in of working on time management academy stuff if I'm in a really busy season. That doesn't cost me anything to outsource that, but that is still another way of outsourcing. So I also don't want women to hear this and think that outsourcing is all tied to money because it, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it can be trade or whatever. Without, right. You can outsource without spending money. Um so I would say those are really the best ways that I have dealt with boundaries with one additional one. And that is the work that I've had to do on myself to keep and uphold boundaries. Because you can say all day long, I am going to leave work at five o'clock from now on. That is my boundary. But if you don't do the work inside of yourself, to uphold that boundary and to feel comfortable upholding that boundary, 
then it it doesn't matter if other people push back on it because you yourself actually don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of inner work that I've done, especially over the last three years, I would say, when it comes to drawing boundaries and being comfortable with upholding them with myself. Because sometimes I have to put a boundary on myself. This is, hey, you said that you weren't going to work anymore past seven o'clock. It's now Wednesday at 7.30. You are now crossing your own boundary. And there's a lot, you have to do a lot of inner work for that side of things to have boundaries with yourself. So what, what is that inner work? What are some things that mamas can do and can do starting today to get themselves in the mindset of having those boundaries? Cause it is hard to find those, the, the inner work, the mindset that's, I think the biggest, um, boulder in the path, you know, like mm -hmm. it's the one thing that's hard to jump over, but you always think you can just kind of get around it, but really we have to get to the root of the problem. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a journey that we're on all the time. I mean, even I'm still on that journey every single day. And I would say, write down, write out what boundaries you want to have in place, regardless of how realistic you think they are, write down the boundaries that you want to have in place in all different aspects of your life. And that may take you some time to figure out those boundaries, right? And then think through what is the best way to implement this boundary? So like, for example, we'll just take the whole leaving at five o'clock from your corporate job. Is that a boundary that I want? Yes, that is a boundary that I have determined I want for my life. Okay, so how can I uphold that boundary? I decline every meeting after five o'clock or I'll like propose a new time for it unless it's with, an executive or it's a high priority, like emergency type of situation. Again, there are exceptions to everything, but I will not take any meetings after five o'clock. So that is one way that I have a physical barrier on my calendar that my work day ends at 5 p.m. And so that it makes it a lot easier for me to say, okay, five o'clock, I don't have any more meetings. It's much easier for me to clock out. So that's kind of like one tangible way of how can you create those physical boundaries, right? To uphold the boundaries that you want in life. And um, I would say another aspect of that is to communicate your boundaries with the people that you love. So, you know, I'll tell my husband, Hey, this week, I really want to focus on spending time with, with Harper, our daughter. Maybe she's having a rough week at school. Maybe she just seems a little more emotional. She's five. So she's always emotional, but you can tell when it's a little bit worse. So I'll say, Hey, I really want to spend more time with her. If he comes, he, he knows that if he comes home and I'm on my phone and, and she's like watching TV, he'll be like, Hey, remember you said that you really wanted to spend time with Harper. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. Thank you. And I'll put my phone down and I'll go spend time with her. So you have to, you can't do it all yourself, right? You have to communicate those boundaries with people. Cause if you don't communicate them, you can't expect anybody else to know what's inside your head. Yeah. And the more you say it, the more true it becomes. Well, and we just keep it in our heads. We ourselves won't, um, adhere to it as better as, as well. Right. Um, I find it's important for us to get all of that information out of our heads onto paper in our calendars, talking to our spouse, whatever ways we can get it out of us. <laughs> it helps right. for us to remember it. So I love that. Um, you talked about boundaries and I'm wondering like, how do you stick, how do you stick to your boundaries? 
when it's hard, when you you've communicated, you have done your calendaring and different things and say that you have, you know, something that you want to do right then and there, and you just want to get it done, but it's going to take you like a half hour past your time and you're missing dinner with your family or bedtime stories with your little one, whatever it is that you are doing. What do you do when the going gets tough? How do you still make it happen? Yeah, I, I mean, it really is a case by case scenario, right? So I look at, we'll use like the, the bedtime story example. If I'm in the middle of writing an article, like a guest blog post that I'm doing and 7.30 comes around, which is when Harper goes to bed, I look at it and I say, okay, can I finish this tonight and miss bedtime? Or do I have time tomorrow to finish this and I can go do bedtime with her right now? Depending on where I'm at, it could be either answer right? I could say, oh, nope, I'm on deadline for this article. It has to be turned in by midnight tonight. I need to miss bedtime. I'll go in and give her a kiss goodnight in 30 minutes when I'm done with this. Yeah. Or if I say, no, actually my, you know, I can, I can finish this up. I've got an extra 35 minutes tomorrow on my lunch break. I can finish this up on my lunch break tomorrow. I'm going to go do bedtime tonight. So I feel like upholding your boundaries isn't about being a perf- being perfect it's not about that perfectionistic feel it's more about again it goes back to the structure creates flexibility so because i have structure in my life i can be flexible when the time comes now that's a different scenario uh then i'll dive deep into one that i think is very prevalent especially for women who are business owners Okay. And that is that if you do not have a supportive spouse who says, yes, I will help by watching the kids one weekend morning and spending time with them so that you can go have a dedicated two hours to your business. If you're in that scenario, to me, that is a very, that is very different. And I will be very transparent in, in that scenario, no amount of time management is going to fix that. Yeah. Right. Because that is a deep-seated relational issue that is a poor boundary that is being crossed by two people who are married and in a committed relationship. So I also tell my students, I'm very transparent with my students, if your boundaries like that are being crossed by people who are in your life that love you, I am not qualified to help you with that. I fully believe in therapy as well. And having that licensed therapist who can help talk through those deeper types of boundaries, right? Because yes, they have, you know, you can manage your time well, and there are boundaries around your time that you need to set that. Yeah. How, how do you balance everything when it comes to trying to do the self-care side of things, trying to do your goals, do your hobbies, all the things that help you to feel like a a human, right? How do you balance Mm -hmm. that along with your mom life, your marriage, your work life, home, everything? How do you, how do you find that balance? I look at that as different phases of life. So I'll do this about every quarter, if not more frequently, but at minimum every quarter where I say, what phase of life am I in right now? And I'll give you a really good example back to school time is a very different phase of life 
than summertime, yes. right? <laughs> so back to school time, I might need to say, hey, if I have a set of like dials and one is work, one is business, one is motherhood, one is hobbies, one is self-care, one is marriage, I might say, you know what? Back to school time, Harper's going into kindergarten. I need to dial up the motherhood side of things. And in return, I need to dial back. Maybe it's my hobbies or, you know, maybe I need to go from lessons twice a week to just horseback riding lessons once a week. Or maybe I need to say, hey, I'm working out four days a week. Let's dial it back and work out two days a week and focus on, you know, Harper going back to school and reallocate that time somewhere else. So it's really about looking at my belief is it's looking at what phase of life you're in, which goes back to working within somebody's specific reality of where they're at in life and knowing that that's okay, because there are other phases. Another example, a great example, January to April for me of 2024 is madness madness (laughs) in my corporate job, specifically in my corporate job. So if I know that, if I know that's coming, guess what? I'm not going to launch anything new in Time Management Academy. I will focus on serving my clients really, really well. I'll focus on serving new clients who come into Time Management Academy really, really well. But I likely will not have new, like I won't launch a workshop. I won't, you know, sometimes during the first few months of the year, I'll do some type of like goals workshop or resolution workshop not in 2024, because I know that my corporate job is nuts. I'm traveling all over the country, January to April. So my capacity in business needs to be dedicated to serving my clients instead of trying to come up with anything new. Right. So it's just knowing we're looking objectively, looking at that and then being okay with it. Yes. (laughs) That's the hard part, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That takes every day, right? Like there are definitely, there are going to be times January through April where I'm going to tell myself that I'm a horrible business owner and that I shouldn't be doing this, right? Because that's that's just human nature. You can't, you can't never have a, have a negative thought ever again, but that that's the time that I will sit back and say, okay, look at this objectively. You're a good business owner. You get people results, your clients, you know, find you very helpful and valuable and they love you. You are a good business owner. It is just a busy time during your corporate job. This feeling will pass. Yes. And that, and that helps. I think that's huge. We have something similar to that. It's kind of like the wheel of life type idea where we are trying to figure out on a scale of one to 10, you know, are you, are you really low in this area? Are you really high in this area? And then focus on the different aspects of like, for example, you talked about, you know, business and self-care. Do we, um, you know, maybe, maybe a certain season of life, you need more self-care because your life is crazy, right? Or certain times you need more time in your business because you're working on a big project or a course that you're creating or whatever it is. Um, right. maybe there's times where you need more time with your kids or whatever. So I find that balance is not a matter of everything being a 10 on every single category. It right. might be one is a one and one is a 10 and one is a five, but knowing where the balance is in that phase of life, I think is huge. So I love that you talked about looking at kind of the season you're in and then going along with that and finding where your balance is. Cause every single season, it's almost like, so there is, there are seasons of life where you have, you know, like maybe you have a newborn, 
maybe you have, you know, you're a newlywed or whatever your season of life is that way. But then you also have your seasons throughout the year, your different quarters that are different. So I think if we're focusing too much on getting everything equal, it's, it's hard to manage. I think that's where we hit burnout. Right. I love the idea of having the ebbs and flows, finding when we need to be our high, when we need to be our low. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. It takes practice, right? It's not, that's something that comes with time and patience and, um, just continuing to do that over and over and over again. Don't expect perfection out of the balance of the aspects of your life the first time, (laughs) right? Because then you're trying to be perfect about being imperfect. So yes, right. Isn't it? It's a catch 22. (laughs) Right. So don't, don't do that either. Just give yourself a lot of grace in knowing that it is, like I said, it's an art and a science. When I was younger, I wanted to be a meteorologist. I wanted to be a field meteorologist, not a TV one. Anyway, (laughs) I always can, I use this analogy all the time and people make fun of me, but I say that managing your time is like being a meteorologist because you're constantly learning new things about mother nature to help you predict what's going to happen but it is an art and a science. And it's the same thing with managing your time. You're constantly learning how your body works, how your mind works, how your life works within the confines of 24 hours a day or 168 hours a week. Right. And so I always, I always use that analogy because it is like, you can't, don't be perfect with trying to be imperfect with an art and a science. Amen to that. And I am so guilty of this. I am like a, I used to be a perfectionist. I still deal with that, but I feel like I've come a long way from that because I've learned that nothing in life is perfect. We're not here to be perfect. We're here to strive and try harder and just putting forth effort, you know, in all the different aspects of life, it all works out eventually, but just trying, you know, and I love, I love that it's okay to be imperfect, but don't try to be perfectly imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Such a hard thing, right? It well, is I, 100%. <laughs> good, good conversation. I love this. Is there any, anything that you would like to tell our mamas? Like, what is the one thing they need to do right now to start in the right direction, making their 2024 the best year ever? What can they do today to just kind of move the needle forward in a positive direction? I would say to practice all of the different things that we talked about today, right? So one of the big ones that I think you will see an instant change from, well, two things. One, practice speaking more positively about your time while acknowledging the truth of it, right? Yes. And then two, also take your to-do list and put it in your calendar or your your paper planner, whatever you use, give that to-do list item a dedicated date and time and then see what happens and just see how that feels to not have that piece of paper haunting you in your dreams, right? Because that's yes. what it does. The to-do list haunts <laughs> you in your dreams. So I would say those two things, like if we had to give tangible takeaways from today, I mean, there were a ton throughout the entire episode, but I would say those two women will see the fastest change if they implement those two things. That is huge. And I think that's, one of the things I love about that question, because I ask it with every episode, what is the one thing mm-hmm. they can do to move the needle forward? And I love that it's never anything huge. It's just simple, small little steps. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to also kind of meet ourselves where we are. Like you said, like 
not try to make this huge leap and do this, you know, 30,000 foot view and, and hit that goal. As soon as we see it, like we've got to take all the little steps to get to that 30,000 foot foot view and actually achieve that huge goal that we have. Right. We have to start small. So I love just writing it down. Like that's so mm-hmm. simple. We can do that 30 seconds, write some stuff down, yeah. do a little mind sweep, right. A brain dump, whatever you want to call it. And I think that is, that is huge to get us to the right direction. So thank you so much for your time. It has been such a fun episode that we've been able to record here. I love this conversation. And, um, I would love to just ask you one last thing, where can our followers find you and where's the best place to kind of connect with you? Yeah. So first and foremost, I love connecting with women on Instagram. So, um, my handle is at its.laura.davis connect with me there. I live in my messages. I, you know, I share a lot of content and information about managing your time and that type of thing. And I share a little bit of insight into my own life. And, um, I'm just, I love connecting with women there. So that's first and foremost, if nothing else, I just want to connect with you first and foremost. I just love connecting with people. I mean, I, that's really my favorite part. Like if, it's so fun, if right? I, if I could just spend all of my time networking and hanging out with people, that's what I would do. It's more enjoyable than just being in front of a computer. <laughs> it is. That's half of, I mean, honestly, if I had to sit back and say, why do I love my business? I love helping women learn how to manage their time, but I love connecting with women and with other women business owners and just having that network, that social network together. I a hundred percent agree. I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. It's so much more enjoyable to interview with someone than to just, I mean, I enjoy doing my own content too, but mm-hmm. there's something about getting connected with other people and learning their side of things. Cause a lot of people yeah. have totally different mindsets than ourselves. Right. And so we learn yeah. things and it's fun to learn from each other. So I love that. Well, thank you so much. It has been a fun conversation and I really yeah. enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Mom life, it's worth celebrating. It's filled with opportunities to learn and grow. And we all know there'll be little bumps along the way, but why not have fun and enjoy the little moments as they come? I am passionate about finding ways to make the mundane feel more exciting and spontaneous. It's time we put a little more joy and happiness into our roles as wives, moms, and homemakers. I'm excited for us to learn together how to add more meaning and purpose into our lives through the big five, physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual avenues. In a way you could say, let's high five motherhood. This is your host, Kim Montgomery, and you are listening to high five motherhood.